Hey, welcome to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly film and whiskey review podcast. Join Marco, Tom and me, Will, each week as we review a movie and a delicious whiskey. You can follow us on Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us your very own whiskey and film recommendations to threeboysinabar at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast streaming platform you are listening to us on. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome back to Three Boys in a Bar, your weekly, sometimes more infrequently than weekly, whiskey and movie <laughs> review podcast. I'm once again joined by Marco Mitchell. Hey, Marco. Hello, hello. And Tom Minotti. Hey, Tom. Hey, Will. Now, it has been a little while. This week is Tom's movie, but before we check in, Marco has bought us a whiskey to drink. Marco. Thanks, Will. So, so I, I have brought the Nikko Whiskey Pure Malt, the Takatsuri. So this is actually replacing, they, they discontinued the same line in um, 17, 21 and 25 year aged bottles, but this now replaces that line with the age is not stated. Okay. So yeah, if you can, if you see a bottle of pure malt that has a number on it, buy it. It will probably be very expensive very soon. Cha-ching. Beautiful. Well, thank you for bringing that along. We'll check in with what we think later on. Tom, over to you for this week's movie. Thanks boys. And it is good to be back. The movie that we watched is Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, right. Directed by Adam Wingard, who you might know from Your Next and The Guest, which are both excellent movies. I cannot say the same for this film. <laughs> <laughs> if there's any, if there's one thing that this film was, it was just another. It was just a perfect excuse to bring Godzilla and King Kong on the same screen together to bash it out and resolve their differences. And this movie really does nothing in my in my opinion until the third act, when you actually finally have said massive fight <laughs> slash showdown between Godzilla and King Kong. And I've got to say, like being in COVID and being in lockdown and all that stuff. This is actually a very sort of light movie to watch, very CGI heavy, very well choreographed action sequences, but everything else about it is not that great. I mean, to begin with, the story is about, it, it's it's very, it's overly convoluted in my opinion, but you basically have an ensemble of characters, some of them on Team Godzilla, which is um, Millie Bobby Brown playing Madison Russell, Julian Dennison playing Josh Valentine and, and an employee of a shadowy organisation <laughs> called Apex, played by Brian Tyree Henry, that is um, playing the character of um, Burnley Hayes. Basically what's happened is Godzilla has attacked an Apex facility in Florida and these characters believe that Godzilla had a reason for attacking and he's actually not as guilty as everyone else is making him out to be. So they're trying to resolve, find out you know, what Apex is up to and why Godzilla is doing what he did. Dun, dun, dun. But at the same time, you then have um, King Kong, who's been living in a in a massive sheltered dome under very close supervision by Rebecca Hall's character, Eileen Andrews, who's researching King Kong. Um, <laughs> doesn't seem to have noticed the fact that he can actually communicate with her daughter, Gia, after how many years? But, you know... Very okay. Truman Show kind of set up, if you ask me. Oh, for sure. I felt like it's the just, Truman oh. Show for King Kong. Anyway, Eileen is approached by Alexander Skarsgård, played by Nathan Lind. Uh, sorry, Alexander Skarsgård's character, Nathan Lind. And he has a proposal to go to the Hollow Earth, which is like journey to the centre of the Earth, basically, to go and retrieve some very secret energy source. It is just abs- and, and accompanying them is um, 
Maya Simmons, who is played by Isa Gonzalez, sporting a very um, Lara Croft Tomb Raider mm-hmm. appearance. This movie was so unoriginal. Oh my god! <laughs> so these characters, so you know, so you have Team Kong going to the center of the Earth. You have Team Godzilla trying to uncover a conspiracy. A lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense. There is just so much exposition-heavy dialogue in this film. It is just boring. Like the characters just have a really so paper thin. Mm. And it's also that point where you're where because you have so many different characters in one film, you really can't differentiate between the types of characters. Like there's too many characters with who are the comic relief character. And honestly, it was just, it was just this was just a, a real bore for me until and until the big final action sequence. And there's a bit of a surprise for fans of the Godzilla franchise. You might know what I'm talking about if you go to see this film, but unfortunately, I just thought this film was just absolutely rubbish. And I mean. To show, to, to demonstrate, there were something like five writers um, credited for this film. Which we've said in the past is always a danger. Highway to the danger zone. <laughs> so based on this movie and where it goes, I don't know. Um, all I can say is that I think this franchise is a diminishing marginal returns. But otherwise, look, you know, the actors had very little to do with a, with a very weak script, in my opinion. Um, I thought, as I said before, I thought the action sequences were actually well choreographed. Adam Wingard did a, did a good job. There is a rumour that he is going to direct the sequel to this film, which is potentially going to be Son of Kong. But I guess we're going to wait to find out. Marco, what did you think? I, I think to no one's surprise, this is a garbage film, but it does what it says on the on the tin. I mean, the, the only reason you go to see a film like this is because you want to see Giant Monkey fighting Giant Lizard. That's, that's literally the only reason. And those bits are phenomenal. They are well shot. They're well choreographed. They're entertaining. They are, like, even surprising to some extent. Completely dumb. Completely dumb. I mean, Godzilla wielding an axe that can somehow block... Um, Godzilla's death radioactive rays. breath. It's like, <laughs> look, I I buy it insofar as I'm enjoying watching it, but yeah, the like you were saying, Tom, the the human story and the human cast in this are completely irrelevant. They own they are literally just a vehicle for getting the two into the places they need to be, so they have a reason to fight. That's obviously going to be true of any of these sort of team-up films. The problem is it's not very well disguised at all because we don't care about any of the human cast. Even when the villain gets his comeuppance, I mean, I'm just like, sure, of course, you're monologuing and something happens. My God, like, mm-hmm. for fuck's sake. My God, you got me monologuing <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It's exactly the, the film, yeah. The, this is the sort of film that you go to with a couple of mates that don't mind talking shit through the film. And you just tear it to shreds while you're enjoying it. Mm. And enjoying very loosely. You enjoy the comedy that comes from your mates rather than the film itself. I thought the comic relief characters um, played by Brian Tyree Henry was horrible. Mm. It was not funny at all. It's nothing against him as an actor, but it's just uh, the, the humour of the day is uh, slightly different. But um, yeah, that fell very flat to me. I thought Millie Bobby Brown was actually quite good considering that she's only in it for probably about 20 minutes, but what she was doing in that space was all right. And that giant giant CGI monster battle, that's that's it. If you want to see a better film, go see Pacific Rim. Which is saying something because Pacific Rim ain't that good. Ask a question. So Godzilla is a lizard, not a dinosaur? 
maybe I'm just late to the party on this one, but I just always thought he was like some kind of, and obviously a reptile, you know, dinosaur situation is quite closely linked. Godzilla is an allegory for nuclear warfare out of Japan and like the breakdown of nuclear. Right. So Fukushima. Type Mm. thing. Yeah. Except obviously back when it was Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The, uh, okay, that's where not, it was born not, from. Not quite that mm-hmm. far back, I think. But that's like the three-eyed fish, the, from, the, the from the Simpsons. Three-eyed fish from the Simpsons. But the original Godzilla movies are Japanese, the Japanese films that come from the nineteen late forties, early fifties. Oh shit! Um, so Godzilla is meant to be is I think is a lizard, but it's meant to be a, a product of a nuclear of a nuclear detonation in the Pacific. Right. And um, correct. And but you know, of course, as you would have, as you listeners, if you've seen this, these movies would come to realise, you know, obviously it did really well and they started to introduce new monsters. And, and there's King Kong, which is a giant monkey. Which, I, I, I mean, I didn't know the Godzilla backstory, but obviously King Kong, well, I say obviously, I know King Kong better. And, yeah. Anyway, my thoughts, I'm just, I just looked up the estimated box office grossing for this film. So it, the budget was estimated to be $200 million and it apparently it has grossed in excess of $400 million. So well, sequel incoming. Clearly it has found an audience. I kind of looked at this, Tom, I think your summation was pretty accurate. Um, and to me it reminded me of like a third card UFC bout, like, you know, not title fight, not second card, but like third card title fight. So, you know, it's a lot of colour and movement, but without much at stake. So that's what that film fit meant to me. And I watched it with a friend of mine who had just come through a breakup and it was like the perfect antidote for his woes and his blues. Um, we, as you said, Marco, pretty much sat through it all, kind of laughing, munching on popcorn, drinking beer and watching all the pretty fight scenes, like two giant, humongous bird. Kaiju. Kaiju. In it. So, uh, look, I felt it was a bit long, but whatever. Again, you know, you kind of get your bang for your cinema ticket, I guess, and does what it says on the patin, which is what you said, Marco. So, I actually don't have much more to add other than would I recommend it? Probs not, but... I think it's interesting you say that it's it's quite long because I feel like it probably could have actually done with another half hour an hour not that i would Oof, want not that i that push it over three hours like it was close to two no it was t- it was under two all right but um, not not short adam wingard doesn't like films that go over two hours um, yeah, right. but i think for something of this scale and with this many cars one hour 53 minutes just mm. you know under two hours <laughs> um, substantially shorter than this than the sequel and the first movie as well mm. to mention it. really but i just think <sighs> that if Given a little bit more time with some of the characters, it could potentially have made you care about their stories and maybe have smoothed out some of the awkwardness of their like their decisions and then their reason for doing like their reasons for going through mm. the plot. Not that I think it would make it a much better film. I think it would be very diminishing returns. But or just looking at um, one of the characters, um, by Shun Oguri, the Ren Serizawa character who looks like he's going to be very important when he's introduced early in the film. I mean, he's the son of um, uh, Rizara, played by... Um, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe. So, like, fumbling previous two installments and feels... Be, be, the character being his son, considering that in 
the last film, spoilers, Ken Watanabe sacrifices himself to save <gasps> Kong. God, but his son coming back, being introduced in the next film, feels like it was supposed to be set up for something more. Mm. And then he appears in like three scenes and no, absolutely nothing, like nothing comes fr- from it. And I feel like there was st- there were storylines left on the cutting room floor that might have actually set up more stuff in the future or at least given some of these characters a bit more rounding out. And I, maybe think I'm just try- optimistic. I think they were trying to do too much. Like all I that agree. journeying into the centre of the earth, I felt like we went into King Kong's Wakanda, you know, um, at the start. Yeah, I thought he was living in like a Truman Show situation. And then I feel as if that whole sequence of because of where Godzilla attacks and they're going to move Kong and all this business, I feel like they were going for a Jurassic Park vibe, but then again also kind of not really getting it and trying to over-alexify. That's not a word, but, you know, they would rather over-complicate. than... Yeah, over-complicate. Thanks, Tom. That, see, <laughs> no, this I, is, this I, is I like complexify a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it's a much nicer word, actually. Complexify. It's a perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> I feel like it's it's like a, it could be a Hogwarts thing, like a complexify. Um, <laughs> Make yeah, stuffing more difficult. More difficult. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if anyone can, that's that's totally my trip. Um, yeah. And I was like, I did this because there were so many different characters. And again, like that's not a recipe for disaster, but everybody seemed like they had these threads and they, they were trying to do the funny comedy thing and then they were trying to do the backstory thing and then they were trying to do the, you know, Skarsgård playing this professor, academic guy who's like, I've got this crazy theory that no one believes me about. And I'm like, now all I can think about is you people are just doing this for the money because none of this makes any sense. It takes you so long to get into this Wakanda upside down world and then all of a sudden you can shoot back up into Hong Kong like nobody's business and, yeah, no one's like, oh, yeah, there's another world underneath us. Like, I don't mind suspending my disbelief or, you know, suspension of disbelief with these kind of films, but I just felt like it was just pushing it way too far and then Kong's sitting on a throne and then, yeah, Godzilla's like, I smell a rat and it all just goes that, to shit. That was a little bit, like, I mean, just so conveniently that where where Kong and our Kong crew end up in the underworld mm. is directly below Hong Kong where Godzilla is. Like, it's just a little bit too convenient on the entire planet because they go from Antarctica to into the, the hollow earth and then somehow they're at Hong Kong. It's like, I mean... That was like that kind of... <laughs> did, you ever, did you guys have that thing geography. of, like, growing up in Australia and being like, if I dig a hole, I'm going to emerge in China? Like, that yeah. kind of thing. If you draw a line right through the globe, you're going to... I was like, oh, this has all those hallmarks. Those I was just like, oh, this is bizarre. Yeah, and the irony is you'd miss China by like half a world. Probably. <laughs> or even just like Godzilla's, um, which in that film just made no sense. I mean, first he attacks Apex, then he attacks Hong Kong, uh, then he attacks King Kong. Mm. Uh, and then while he's while he's chained to a boat, and no one's actually explained, you know, the infrastructure that they needed to develop to develop the chains to keep Hong Kong, uh, to, King. <laughs> to, keep, <laughs> to keep Hong, Hong Kong, Kong down. down. <laughs> wow, that's if we're off very ne- political. I was going to say, if we're off there next week, we know why. Yeah. <laughs> the no, people's they, they, haven't, they haven't developed the infrastructure that they, you know, they haven't explained how they developed the infrastructure that would ensure that King Kong is chained to the boat while it's sailing. And then the fact that, that Godzilla attacks the fleet of ships while he's doing it and has a whole lot of people fire missiles at him and... You know, like we clearly know that missiles don't work, yet a nuclear bomb can bring him back to life from the last movie. 
Like, it just the whole thing is just completely ridiculous and rubbish. And then <laughs> didn't uh, and then and then Godzilla yeah. after he's attacked the fleet, he then fucks off and goes back to Hong Kong to do whatever the fuck it is that he wants to do. And you know it's serious when Tom starts swearing. Oh, I just yeah. also didn't oh. King Kong get like CPR'd halfway through? Yeah, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, and they, and they, and they basically lifted. Oh, sorry. And they basically lifted the idea off the um the earlier film the when film. they when what? Ken Watanabe detonates a nuclear bomb in front of Godzilla to <laughs> resuscitate him. <laughs> I still think I still think the, the the best the best joke that Tom made when we were watching the film was in the middle of the fight when they like they have a a close like grappling moment. He goes, Martha. <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm really glad you brought that up, Marco, because this whole third act of the film feels a lot like Batman vs Superman, where Batman vs Superman, where Batman and Superman are finally having mm. that big confrontation, and then they decide to team up to fight because there's the a new bigger threat. bad guy. Like, oh yeah, it's which I mean, Said, is anyone mm. surprised by that though? You don't go into a film with two big characters that people love. And then be like, oh yeah, one of them died. Sorry, like it's just not a not a thing. But I think you could actually, as a filmmaker, really play off that because mm. a you're setting it up that it's Godzilla v Kong versus Kong. So you know, any match, whatever sport, whatever, it's one person against the other. And why we love watching it is that one person wins, one person loses. So what would have been done for the franchise is if, and sure, you could kind of make it that the other party is not really dead or whatever but like could you imagine like the twitter sphere going crazy if you know godzilla loses and everyone's like yeah king kong's the best and and, you know everyone's going to get on their chat rooms and be like kong could never do that or godzilla would totally have won and you could actually just totally play off that if you were willing to be like in this movie godzilla's gonna you know come out second best against kong i mean technically and i'm not gonna spoil anything here but technically there is a winner yeah they're like one of the one of them does die. No spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that? Quick? The interesting thing about this film, I think, is that they almost went bigger and more extravagant with the the second in the franchise rather than this one. This almost feels like it should have been the middle movie, and then you have the Godzilla versus you know Rodan and Mothra and fucking Ghidorah and all of the crazy shit that you had in the last film, which was a better film. It wasn't a good film, but it was better than this one. In my opinion, and has anyone explained exactly what happened to those monsters as well? So, the, the, I believe the way that they explain a lot of this stuff in the Toho universe is they're just forces of nature. So they basically just fuck off when they feel like it, and they come back when they need when they're needed. So it's like Godzilla does nothing for you know he just sort of chills out in the deep ocean or something, and then he's like, ah, oh, humans are trying to do some some shenanigans. I better come in and fuck up Florida and then Hong Kong. But the thing is that. Godzilla's not a bad guy, even though, you know, humanity is just incidental. It's like if, you know, you you accidentally step on an ant's nest. We don't give a shit. Godzilla doesn't give a shit. There are, I think there are two key problems with this franchise. And I think and I, and I do think the, the issue with this film comes down to franchise identity. The first issue is characters' motivations in respect of Godzilla or any of the titans in that appear in the film. It's changing their minds depending on whether they're a threat or whether... They're on their side, and it's just it's just too. They keep oscillating between those two point points of view too often, and it's just inconsistent. Like we just don't know what these characters do. They just say whatever they have to say to suit the moment and the the scene's purpose. 
the second issue is what exactly did they're trying to tell with a film like this? In my view, a disaster movie like this is all about survival. Like, I like the fact that Godzilla can be on your side or not. But the fact is, it's that uncertainty and it's all that makes the whole situation even more precarious. Like, people are just too afraid to do anything about it or they, they just, you know, it's that, it's that idea of surviving. Don't really tap into. There was too much, one thing that this franchise does, and in my opinion, it complexifies the situation, Well, <laughs> is that... Hashtag complexify. It creates, they create conspiracy theories, you know, like Apex is doing something evil or in the last movie, Charles Dance, amazing actor, but he was playing some mercenary who does a lot of heinous shit. Mm. Um, who doesn't reprise his role even though he was I know. very big. And Adam Wingard, what happened? Adam Wingard has actually said that he believes that he got squished by a Godzilla at some point between the films. But that doesn't mean he can't return for any sequels because it didn't happen on camera. I guess it's in a comic book somewhere. We just haven't read it yet. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they these conspiracy theories just don't really help. Um, I, I actually think they um, make the film longer and less consistent. Uh, to have bad guys and agendas, I think you can make it very... I think you can make the film quite simple. That it's just about a monster or a, a titan and people don't know how to do this. I think I think human stories are the best ones, and they and this film lacked them. Yeah, well, I mean, Godzilla and Kong doesn't them fighting doesn't directly affect any of our human cast at all. No, unless yeah, you live in the, Hong Kong. Yeah, and, and I <laughs> unless you live in, and I think that what Jurassic Park does is it it takes that world of dinosaurs, but it keeps it in the realm of the human, and it's always about the human characters and the human stakes, even if it's in this kind of. Well, enough said about that. I want to talk about the whiskey. Mm-hmm. Marco, it's pretty good. I'm thoroughly enjoying this bottle of whiskey, boys. This um, clearly as I'm having to pour all of us actually a little bit more. Except for Tom. Tom's only, he's nursing his. But um, yeah, this um, Takatsuru pure malt from Nika Whiskey is quite beautiful, I will say. Dark. This has got to be one of the darkest whiskeys we've reviewed. Dark mm-hmm. in colour. Dark like the clouds outside with the thunderbolts. How good is, is that vanilla essence in the back of your throat? It is so beautifully smooth. I don't know what to say about this because it's just taking my breath away. Wow. And that's no mean feat because, I mean, we were recording while you are a little dusty, so I know that that might not be the easiest thing to drink right now. Yeah, well, it's going down a treat. Thanks for letting everybody know. What's going on in my private life? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't reveal anything other than you feel a little dusty. You, what you choose to share with the public or not is your choice. You could have just said you fell over in a dirt mound. Well, I've been filming out in Whoop Whoop for the last month and a half, so yeah, very mm. physically dusty. Poor, poor Sophia is very, very dusty. Oh, All the drives, understanding. very sad. Sorry, Sophia is my car. Um, just uh, that's She's enough about beautiful. that. That is delight. That is a delightful drop. Oh, that is a delightful drop, Marco. Crisp, crisp at the end. It it almost at the beginning. It has like this honey sort of feel to it, but not in a sweet way. I can't really. There's not a lot of sweetness. No, no, but it's maybe it, but upfront. But there's just there's something that reminds me of, like not. I don't even know what it is. It's not the texture. It's obviously not the honey flavor because it's not sweet. But it's just that kind of 
it's just like a mouth feel, I guess. I'm not quite sure. I wonder if it's I'm a bit over refined though. Like I feel like it it it's nice, but it kind of doesn't have some of the depth of other whiskies we've had. Maybe I'm finding it's a little bit woody as well. It's like a woody middle. It's like the Chardonnay of whiskies. Mm. Yeah, polish your floorboards with it. I reckon. <laughs> Not that bad. No, no, no. Like I mean, <laughs> no. This is a quite an interesting drop, and I think that it's. I would now trying this and knowing that it replace it replaces the other lines mm. of the same thing. I am curious as to how it how it will age, not knowing exactly when it was bottled, because obviously, with the seventeen, twenty one, and twenty five, you have some idea of of the age that it, that it was actually aged. Whereas this, there's no. There's no actual correlation as to when it was. So clearly they're not doing multiple batches and bottling multiple multiple batches now. So I would be interested to compare it to the older stuff. I, know, I feel like I'm rambling and I have no idea what I'm talking about. No, I, I, this is really <laughs> interesting. So it's named after Masaka Takasura, the father of Japanese whiskey, who, who was the first Japanese... Uh, Japanese who mastered whiskey making in Scotland and then brought the expertise back to Japan and established Nikka in 1934. It's amazing. I mean, even thinking about somebody from Japan traveling over to Scotland in the early 20th century and then, you know, discovering whiskey and then taking it back. And now Japanese whiskey is, you know, as good as any other production in the world. Like, and it's a hundred years old, sounds like. I mean, obviously they made a lot of other spirits, but in terms of whiskey, that's amazing. In terms as well being a, a pure malt, so it is actually quite a – it's a large blend of different malt whiskies, um, not just like mm. one or two that we normally see. It's actually quite a um, – obviously they're not going to tell us exactly what what's in it, but um, yeah. Very good. Very good. So once again, this is, was the Takatsuru Pure Malt from the Nikka Whiskey Distillery. Very good drop. Thank you very much, Marco. All right, time to wrap up this fiasco of a film, Godzilla vs. <laughs> Kong. Tom, it was your movie, so we'll come to you last. Marco, I know you've just done our whiskey for the week, but give us your score, your final thoughts on GVK. <laughs> like BVS, GVK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, like I said at the head of this, the... It does what it says on the tin. It's not a very good film, but if you're going just to watch a big CGI battle, it does exactly that, and it's entertaining. The fight scenes are actually quite good. All the fluff in between is garbage. So I I have to give it a two and a half, I think. Um, I enjoyed the fight scenes quite a bit. I Even though it's all a little bit dumb, it's just one of those sort of popcorn dumb films that you can go and switch off, which I quite enjoyed. And I must say, I actually quite enjoyed Junkie XL's score on this. I thought using, like, especially towards the end when uh, another unnamed character turns up and it takes a more of a digital kind of approach to the scoring, I really enjoyed that and I thought it was quite well done. All right. Oh, what did you say, 2.5? 2.5. All right. I'm going with one. See it if you've got nothing else to do. That's all I've got to add, Tom. That's really funny, Will, because I, I, I hate it on this movie, but I don't think it's bad enough to give it a one. Mm. Um, it's not as bad as boss level. I, I I'm giving this a two. Um, I thought, look, I thought, you know, the the action sequences are what make this movie, and they are done well. Adam Wingard has done a, 
has done a commendable job with those particular sequences. I just, I just feel sorry for, for example, you know, if when Kong gets injured and he slumps against a building and that building, you know, gets damaged and you're just sort of thinking, wow, that's another fucking $500,000 worth of, or million do- millions of dollars worth of damages that's just been caused by King Kong shrugging his shoulders. You know, like it just, it's just the, the implausibilities of the whole situation just really got to me. And I guess I just thought about it too much. This is really a movie for people who don't, who just want to turn their brains off and just have a good time. The action sequences are great. I think everything else was much to be desired. I'm giving it a two. Amazing. Well, that was Godzilla versus Kong. Gentlemen, thank you once again. Before we sign off, we turn our attention to next week. And I believe, Marco, it's... Yeah, next week with a, with an asterisk. asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Next, you know. next time on Three Boys in a Bar. Next time. Let's do with that. So, yes, we, w- we can't promise that this will be every week, but whenever we get back to the bar... We will have watched a film, we will be drinking a whiskey and we'll be talking about both and next time we know for sure that we will be reviewing a particular movie which will be Marco's Choice. Let us know. I'm, I'm very excited that we will be watching Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know a few people that have worked on the show because it was filmed here in well, South Australia but still in Australia um, and from everything that I've seen and not, not being a massive fan of the Mortal Kombat franchise but... Just what I've seen out of the trailers and what I've heard from, you know, within the industry, it seems like it's going to be quite good. Cool. So next time three on Three Boys in a Bar will be Mortal Kombat. If you have some opinions on whiskey, on movies, on this week's movie and whiskeys, please let us know. You can hit us up on our Instagram at Three Boys in a Bar or send us an email at threeboysinabargmail.com, both with the numeral three. Tom Minotti, thank you for bringing us this Incredible film. Thanks, Will. Glad to help. (laughs) Marco, thank you for bringing the whiskey. It's always a pleasure, Will. And thanks, everyone, for listening at home. We'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.